This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. We begin today by acknowledging the Gubby Gubby people as the traditional owners of the country we are recording in today. We recognize their continued connection to the land and the waters of this beautiful place. We pay our respects to elders, past, present and emerging and respect to all First Nations people listening today. Welcome to another episode of the Boring is Bad for Business podcast. I'm Suji. And I'm Joel. And this show is where we discuss how business leaders can create bold, not boring brands that delight and spark emotional connections. Now today, we wanted to have a website, a website, an episode that was all about websites. And immediately, um, I think when we're brainstorming, Joel, what we were talking about is like, how good would it be if we could have a discussion about how you can create a non-boring website? And that's what I sat down to write. But when I sort of, I got into it, and I was like, yes, this is going to be great. We can do a deep dive. We can talk about, you know, there's some really epic things that people are doing, especially in the food and beverage space. I'm seeing brands embrace like really large type and video. Then I had to stop myself from going all things amazing UI. There was two reasons. Number one, I think you're going to be heaps better at getting everybody hyped up at all these amazing, I guess, what's the possibility with your brand creatively of what you can do. But number two was that when I dug a little bit deeper and looked at the things that these websites had in common, it was actually there's some key concepts that aren't to do with execution and they aren't to do with incredible typography, layout, design and composition. They were to do with human behavior. And so what I kind of clued back and went, okay, well, what can we make this episode about still with websites? Because it is a big part of being a non-boring brand. Your website is your presence that you have online all of the time. And it's, you know, it's that central point that you send all of your, your brand activities through to. So what I was wondering is, you know, people are probably struggling with one thing with their website is conversion rate. So it's like, how can I get more, um, you know, of the traffic that I'm sending to my website? How can I get more of those people to either buy or jump onto, you know, we provide an offer and they come into our mailing list and then they, they get into our customer circle. So what I want to do with this episode is um, talk through, and there's going to be two parts to this because it's quite long. It's six persuasion hacks to fix your website's conversion rate. Fantastic. And yeah, I think it's a really... Great place to start. Um, we had a previous episode where we talked about, you know, ways to, you know, make your brand less less boring. And um, a lot of that was, you know, these crazy sort of left of field ideas. But a big thing of, you know, going to those, you know, going in that place is you really have to understand the fundamentals and, and the rules before you can break them. So, um, you know, just to jump into a website and go like, hey, we want to create something that's, you know, got heaps of motion, you know, heaps of type, you know, the, these cool transitions going on. But if it isn't rooted in something that's really driving those conversions, it's, it's ultimately, you know, worthless. Absolutely. And that's where I was kind of thinking. It's like, you're going to make these big recommendations and they don't have any, anything to do with them. And the other thing is with what we're trying to do, it's, you know, be a bo- don't be a boring brand. You want to be a bold brand that creates emotional connections. And emotional connections are all about understanding how we as humans think and how we, we, we interact. And that does sound sometimes a little bit less exciting than all of the creative stuff but it's so important as you just said so just going back to the purpose of a website so we know just to set the scene the purpose of your website as a business owner or as a brand is to nurture the traffic that you're getting to that website and to convert them into customers so that doesn't always happen straight away like there are some products and purchases where you might through your marketing get a website you know get a visitor to the website and their customer journey the time that it takes them to decide to like know, like, and trust you is quite short. So I'm thinking things like groceries or necessities that you need or like, you know, the pro- products and services that don't cost a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the customer journey is quite short versus that if you have a more expensive product, 
it takes a lot longer for a customer or a potential customer to make the decision to trust you. So what that means on your website is everything that you're doing with, you know, those really fun, the exciting things like motion and type, they Mm -hmm. all need to be decisions that are designed to persuade. So we're then, and and it does sound a little bit dark and I'll talk about that in a minute, like this is intended to be used for good. Um, The technical term for what we're doing in this is like when we're getting traffic to a website and we're persuading them to, you know, come on board if the product or service is right for them is what's known as conversion rate optimization. Mm -hmm. And that, it just means like it's very technical and if you're not in the web space, it can sound like, what are you talking gibberish? But all it means is understanding how people think and feel and use technology and then we're going to use that in our content. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that user experience plays a massive part. Like, again, I've spoken about it in a previous episode. Like, there's some websites that you go to and you're just like, okay, that's great. Like, I want to make a purchase. How do I do that? Like, there's no clear thought from, you know, the developer or someone who put this website together of that user experience. Um, And, you know, it could be, you know, obviously they're, they're principles of persuasion, but at the same time, like I just see it as how to make the customer's experience, you know, as straightforward as it, as it can be. Absolutely. There's no thought. It's all the focus is on the um, sparkle, mm-hmm. all of the sparkle, all of the features that they get in the way of the customer trying to take their next step. On yeah, the and, and, it, and it's finding that balance between the, between the two. Absolutely. And I think that, and that's why I'd love you to talk about that because, you know, once people understand these principles of persuasion, it's like, then it's a totally new job and it's just as important as just as big is making these principles or putting some of the, imp- the implementations in that I'm recommending. Don't put them in just straightforward. It's a whole other job to think about, okay, how can we make these exciting or surprising and delightful for people? Absolutely. And like, yeah, we'll, we'll jump into that when we, when we get in there. I was going to start throwing <laughs> recommendations out because I'm getting excited. No, cool. I'm glad that this topic is exciting. Um, so if you think that this, uh, your website can be doing a better job of converting visitors to customers, and I think that everybody's website can do a better job, like us included, I want to introduce you to the six hacks for making your six persuasion hacks for fixing your website's conversion rate. Now, this is going to be three of the six because there's just too much to talk about. Um, in the next a follow-up episode, I will go through the final three. So before we jump into what the hacks actually are, I want to talk a little, about, a little bit about the science of persuasion. So the tips and the hacks that I'm going to give you are based on research that's written by Dr. Robert, Robert Childani. Not research, just written. You know, it was developed as well. So he has developed six principles of persuasion. And through his research, Robert Giordani has found that, you know, as people, we like to think that we make our decisions very rationally. So, you know, you might be buying a new car, you might be buying a new house, you might be looking um, for a new job. You'd like to think that you go out and you you research and you grab all of the information that is relevant. We sit down and then we go pros and cons. We look at the list and we say, yes or no, this is the decision that I feel is right for me. However, what Robert Giordani found is that there's biases and mental shortcuts that are also known as heuristics that our brains make on behalf of us to make those decision-making processes that we do every day. Um, It can even be as simple as buying a loaf of bread off the shelf to make them easier so that our brains aren't so drained. So what that means is our, you know, our brain sending signals. Like if I see these certain signs or signals in a brand or a business or a product or a service, I'm more likely to trust them very quickly because my brain said, yeah, that's fine. You can trust that based on past experiences that you've had, but also based on past experiences that we've had as a society and generationally down. So what that means is once we know these tools, then we can say we can apply this. And this can be applied to any type of conversation, any type of interaction, any type of um, relationship that you're having. But what I wanted to do for these 
this episode is then take these principles of persuasion and then apply them to a website's conversion rate because ultimately, like we said, that's what you're trying to do with your traffic once they're on your website. Mm-hmm. So the six principles that Dr. Childani has of the universal principles of persuasion are reciprocity, scarcity, authority, consistency, liking and consensus or social proof. You might have heard of these before. Like I think they are terms mm-hmm. that are thrown around quite a bit. The next thing before we do, and we will definitely get to these hacks, is ethics. So I don't know about you, Joel, but it did sound a bit dark when you're talking about persuasion and you can do all these things like mind tricks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really like that. Like it's not, this is not intended to be a used for bad intentions. I think that, you know, what we'd like to be creating is a platform where you've got your business that is built for purpose. It's You've got your values that you always talk about, Joel, where it's like, you know, your business was started for a reason. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, an ethical and moral and or moral um, product or service that people actually get real value from. So that's what the, the context and I'm providing these hacks to provide, you know, to improve your website's conversion rate and also the, the principles that of convert of persuasion are based on. Yeah, it's quite it's quite a mouthful. It's a mouthful. But yeah, I almost see it as you know a bit of a guide and a bit of a playbook for clients and um, you know our, our customers to, to look at and go, okay, so what are these um, you know six things that we need to put onto our website that you know explains to our, our customers and our clients who we are and, and ultimately what what we do and then. Um, you know, a lot of it is about, you know, sort of leading into that that first hack is, you know, giving away stuff. It, it, it's tools that you're you're able to use to get and inform your clients to be able to get them over the line. Absolutely. So, you know, yeah, I think words such as, you know, hack and, and even persuasion, you know, people could look at that and go, you know, there's negative connotations about it. But, you know, I, I would like to see that we, we use these things for good. Absolutely. It's what we do with the Good Studio. Mm-hmm. So the first hack, to fix your website's conversion rate, you need to understand that you need to give something before you ask for anything in return. Now, this is based on the principle of reciprocity. So that explains that when you want to, you want to return or you want to reciprocate actions that people or businesses do for you. So whether you realize it or not, you act, it's actually quite uncomfortable to receive something without being able to give back. So mm-hmm. there are a couple of examples um, around, so like... If you've ever been invited to somebody's party and you're kind of surprised that you were invited, you're like, oh, that was nice, like, but I wouldn't have probably invited you to my party. The next time that you have a party, you're probably likely to put that person on the list. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good happen, little... Happen a, to us. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, yeah, we've all experienced it. Yeah, you go somewhere and it's, it's even like Christmas with friends and they, someone buys you a gift and you didn't give them, you didn't get them anything and... Yeah, you How inst- uncomfortable. You instantly feel like shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, especially when they're sitting there just smiling because you're stoked. They're stoked that they've given you something. Um, yeah, it, it's a pretty bad feeling. But I think, you know, that sort of taps into that human psyche and who we are as, as, a, as a community. So to be able to leverage that a little bit when you know, building websites and, and putting that content out, um, fantastic. Absolutely. And that's why content marketing is so effective the whole basis of content marketing is that you give away value and high value content regularly, you know, during that customer journey process. So you're giving away free content. So that the time that the customer is like at that pointy end of the funnel and they're ready to buy from you, they already feel like they've got so much value from you mm-hmm. and it can be in the context of your website that they actually are willing and ready to then go, okay, I, I want to now contribute to this relationship too. 
Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, there's so many examples of things that you, you could give away, you know, whether it is, you know, sign up to a, sign up to a form and, and we'll give you a, a downloadable document or even, even just like your blog content that you, you're constantly putting out. You know, there, there's a lot of reasons why you would do a, a blog on your website, but I think this is a great example of, you know, sharing important information across to your client that you're ultimately educating them and then return. They're like, well, shit, like you've given me so many, um, you know, insights in how to, you know, benefit whatever whatever you're selling. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than likely to, you know, jump on the phone and give you a call and, and reciprocate Absolutely. That, that transaction. Absolutely. There's other examples as well. You can do a free trial. So that's another example. Like it's probably not as, and some of these are big reciprocation, some of them are small. But, you know, once you've got somebody on, you've offered them a free trial of your service. You, they get to experience it. But then again, they go, oh, well, I've probably got a little bit more time to learn and listen from you. So maybe after that trial, they're more willing then to jump on a call with a consultant to have a detailed discussion about if this, this software or this product or this service is right for them. Whereas if you hadn't offered that free trial and you're asking somebody for their time to come on a call, the answer is probably more likely to be no because I'm busy. Yeah, Absolutely. So with reciprocity on your website and, um, you know, this whole idea of the hack of offering something before you ask for anything, I've got a couple of tips. So obviously, number one is offer something and consider this in your website content strategy and consider this in your web, you know, it's just as important as your about page, which we all love to talk about, mm-hmm. but make sure that you're, you're considering in this plan of your website, what are we actually going to give away for free? Um, whether it's in the form of a free trial, whether it's in the form of a download, a webinar, anything like that. And that actually does start off your marketing, the top of your marketing funnel, which you can talk about. There also, through my research, and this is quite a while ago, there was something, you know, for offline ideas, and I love this. Coke did the campaign where they, you could, remember this is years ago, you could personalize your own Coke bottle with your name. Yeah, absolutely. It's an, that is another example of reciprocity, but just not in the, the sort of the same sense of a website. I just wanted to throw that in there in case that gives anybody some ideas about how they can do things a little bit, you know, you know the foundation, you know the principle, how can you take it to the next level? Mm-hmm. The second tip and the final tip I'll give you for the reciprocity is make sure that your offer is relative to your ask. And if you're going to ask people to make a really big commitment, you're probably going to need to offer something of quite equal value or something significant. So I've got an example here, like if your website and you've got a conference and it's $5,000 for two days, then a series, you know, probably a small opt-in of a downloadable PDF is probably not enough to expect people in exchange to go, oh, okay, I've downloaded that PDF. You've given me that great value. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to hand over $5,000. A better example or a better potential trade or reciprocity you could offer is a series of side events. So it might be, you know, you can have an invitation to, um, we're doing a bit of a roadshow and you can come down to this to this event and see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You get somebody in and then you can start bringing them back to the website after that. They've then had an in-person experience. It's a lot more in-depth. Yeah, there was even um, a, a course I was a part of and it was a it was a week course, um, you know, five five mornings for, for three hours, ultimately for free. Um, you know, jump online, listen to a, a webinar, and then at the end, obviously, they're trying to upsell you for the, the 10, uh, 10 grand, I think, two-day course. Yeah. Um, and yeah, by the end, you sort of feel like, hey, man, like you've, you've ultimately given me like 15 to 20 hours worth of phenomenal content. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I, I owe you. Yeah. Um, so, or your mind is open to that possibility. Whereas I imagine if you had to buy that $10,000 ticket off the bat, you'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, it, it gives the, the feeling that you've had a little bit of a sneak peek behind, behind the curtain of, of what you can expect. Um, and yeah, definitely warm that, that 
that lead up and you know more likely to to convert with a, a you know a higher ticket item absolutely so the hack hack number two for improving your or fixing your website's conversion rate is to put limits on your offers so it's probably not a surprise that neither of us were star economic students. Oh, no. Uh, no, not a surprise. Well, maybe it is to some people. No, we we focus in on uh, pictures and, and words and, and feelings and thoughts, but we do know about supply and demand. You know, the whole idea is that if there's less of something, people want it more. So it's the research on the science of persuasion. It's economics. It tells us that you know supply and demand deeply influences how people make decisions. We're really attracted as people to things that are exclusive and they're hard to get. It's what's known as scarcity in, you know, when we're talking about it in mm-hmm. the concept of persuasion. I do think that scarcity is one of these tips or these these principles that can lend itself to being a bit of a dark art because there's a lot of pressure that's done very cheaply, I think, on some e-commerce yep, websites. Sure. Yeah, like ticking time bombs and counters and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about doing those. Yes, they do use the same principle but let's not go there you need to really be providing value which is what we said before and that means that's how we kind of bypass all of that so some examples of industries where scarcity does exist luxury goods anything that's really limited edition especially if we're talking about nfts i think that that's a whole industry on itself that Mm -hmm. does trade on the concept of scarcity house prices right now we can see it there um courses and retreats yeah definitely and um one thing that people do sort of get scared at of this is like oh well you're starting to devalue my my product or service and and there's definitely ways that you can do it that you know doesn't devalue your your product or service like if we literally go okay half half price off like that's yeah that is devaluing your product or your service but if we can do it in a way of hey we have either limited stock which is sometimes based in reality um you know we've limited access like we we've we've tied it down to to a group or uh, we can only release a certain number of lots for sale or appointments this week mm-hmm. or a limited time um where it's like hey first in best dress let's let's get this this going and you know i don't see that as is devaluing your product i ultimately see it as you know you're providing more scarcity of of your product that that increases the value of it yeah exactly and i think there's other things like you're controlling the supply of, of your product to get that scarcity but you're not doing it to the point of i think fearing of, mm-hmm. of making people fearful and i think the other part of this is like put limits on how many offers there are but you can also offer them more often and that's a, it was a long sentence and i didn't want to put it in there but you can offer them more often so you're probably still over the tar- the the year you're still selling the same amount of stock that you you hopefully more even releasing the same amount of stock or availabilities that you originally intended but you're just kind of controlling the way that it rolls out to the people and if you look at you know we obviously take into consideration how a business is run and the the fundamentals of of you know cash flow um product skews and sort of manage, managing of of stock um and a lot of these things really lead to making that process easier for the business as well of like yes hey like okay, we're going to release um, 10,000 products here. So, you know, let's get them in and, and, and move them out the door as quick as possible. And if you're, if you're looking at from a, a business standpoint, that makes a lot more sense than, hey, we're just open, you know, come in and buy, you know, something when you feel like it. So just going back on what you touched on before, Joel, that there's like limited stock, limited access and limited time. I'll just mm-hmm. give some examples about what that might mean in the context of an online on online and in your website. So your limited stock is all about showing people how many 
items are available. So you'll see, um, I'm thinking the iconic where it's like only two remain of a certain size. Mm -hmm. That is an example of, you know, putting a limit on your offer. And it's also an example of scarcity and action. Uh, You can also use it. You can also sometimes keep a sold out. Like if you have a small store or if you have a small um, availabilities for a course or a, a service or an appointment, you can leave it's booked out up and visible. So there's people like, okay, well, there are actually limits. So next time I come, I might be more inclined to book a bit earlier than I mm-hmm. had prepared for. And I like as well pre-orders. So especially for e-commerce customers and, you know, that example where they might buy, if you're in the startup st- stages, you might just buy a limited number of SKUs to start with. So I like the idea of pre-orders in an e-commerce context as well. So you've got a limited number of products when you start up or you first buy your mm-hmm. batch. Sell that out and then keep sold out up and then say available for pre-order now as well. So you're putting a limit and you've got you on what's available. You've told people that it has sold out. So there's that idea of scarcity, but you're also opening up for pre-orders so that next time you don't, as a customer, you're not going to end up in that position where you've, you've missed out. Oh, it's that full FOMO thing of um, I'm sitting at home, Maybe because I have COVID and all my friends are at a festival and you're like, yeah, f- a great example of FOMO. But FOMO comes across as well of like, <laughs> I've jumped on the website and I want this product and it's no longer here. And it, for some reason, I, you know, we go back to a, a four-year-old self where you're like, well, I want it. I want it more now. Yes. Um, and, it's, and you start searching for other websites that have that product and they're a little bit more expensive. So you consider, should you pay it? Yeah. And yeah, this is a tool that we can use to... Increase your conversion on a, on a website and, and just, you know, keeping that in mind when we're going like, okay, so how are we going to go out and, and market this this product or a service? Yeah, and even like you said, how are we going to release our products? How are we like in that business sense? How many will we make available? Mm-hmm. So the next idea that is we mentioned was limited access. So this is exactly the same as limited stock, but it's more in the case of a, a you know, a non-stock based product. So you could have an access to VIP customers. So it might be in the context of your service-based business and you're making an offer, say, hey, I've got an event or I've got a course or I've got a new product coming up and I'm only letting you guys know as VIP customers that you're the first people to have access to this. So you're making people feel very special in this pre-sale sense Mm -hmm. and they're also realizing, oh, it's quite limited. So maybe we should jump on board now and we feel quite privileged and it's like this presence of exclusivity. Yeah, it ties back to that hack one quite well as well, you know, of I'm a part of a, a community where they're ultimately giving me something for free. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I did give them my email, but I'm able to log into this website where no one else can besides mm-hmm. all the other people that are on the, the email list. But for me, it kind of feels like oh, I've got limited access. Like I'm yes. um, a VIP. So yeah, I'm more likely to, to make a purchase or... or um, you know, buy something. Absolutely. And they do all these, um, all these hacks or all the principles of persuasion, they do actually, inter- they're connected. They're yes. not just standalone. Absolutely. So the final um, tool that you can use for scarcity or for, you know, putting limits on your offers is that you can put a limit on the time. So you can apply time restrictions to offers and sales in, in your marketing and on your website, especially. So if you've got, say, a, like a consult service that's available, don't make your calendar available every single day of the month. Make sure it's very clear that what you're providing to people is that this is a consult service. It's only available for four people a month, 10 people a month, whatever it is at scale, you know, what's relative to the scale of your business that you can handle. Mm-hmm. Once it's booked out, you'll then have to go on the wait list. Yeah, I've, I've noticed as well. I think it's been in my um, inbox for about a week. 
Um, yeah, it's like discounted vans. And I'm like, there's a limited time oh, I thought on you're it. talking about a car. No, no, just <laughs> discounted shoes. And I was like, I don't need more shoes. But yeah, it, it's still there because I can't delete it because I'm like, hey, it's a limited time. And I think it's only like 10% off. But just because I know it's going to end. Mm-hmm. I'd, Has yeah. that enlightened you now? Like we're talking about it. It's like, damn it. They got oh, me. Yeah, they yeah. fully got me. But um, <laughs> at the same time, I want 10% off. Yeah. Well, yeah. look, if you're buying a lot of shoes, maybe it could be a good investment. Yeah, definitely. It's well, a lot cheaper than a real van too, which is yes. what I thought you were talking about. So. Yeah. Get the shoes. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) So the third hack that we'll be talking about today and the final one that we're talking about today is to fix your website's conversion rate, you need to be the authority. Like it or not, we like to trust experts. And, you know, we as people, like it's like you see it and you go to the doctor, you see it when you, um, you reach out and you sort of see business experts or you see somebody on stage, you immediately give them credibility because of the platform that they are on. And you think that, okay, they're of authority. They must be trustworthy. What they're saying, I am then going to go and follow. And the other thing that we're seeking in is influencers. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like they, they have a, an authority about them because often they have a large following or they have other sort of things that are going on. Which is insane when you actually think about it like that. Yes. You're just like, yeah, this person has this many followers ultimately because they can take a, a good picture. Um, it's quite quite funny that this is something that we're talking about while we're on a podcast. Um, you know, a lot of people have told me that I enjoy my own voice and listening to myself speak, which I do a little bit. But yeah, the reason that we're, we're doing a podcast and, and, and putting out content to, to educate our customers and, and, and listeners is, you know, a big thing of positioning ourselves as authoritarians within that space. Absolutely. Leaders um, in the space and yeah, thought leaders rather than sitting back and, and following what others are putting out there. Absolutely. Definitely. So there are three. So with, in terms of the science of persuasion, going back to Dr. Childani's research, what he found was that there are three types of cues that our minds look for in social situations to determine authority. And I do wonder if now, like the research is like it was it's over 40, 40 years old, 30, 40 years old. I do wonder if there are other things that would come into that, like especially on an online space and what are those other things that our brains are, are putting, you know, reading signals that we're receiving that say we trust authority. So just with, you know, let's talk within Dr. Chodani's research though for now. The first way that we look for, our minds look for um, a cue of authority is a title. So we trust the expertise and I don't think there's any surprise, like anyone who carries a doctor, a professor, um, or even like a lawyer or a CEO ahead of their names, we sort of immediately put them on that elevator platform in terms of authority and trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, clothing, so uniforms and style cues about like how you actually dress can also signal authority. And what I like for this is if you think about your website, really think about, you know, in your content then, what is everybody wearing if they are part of the photo shoot as a team? Mm. What are the people that we cast if we're doing um, sort of brand or lifestyle photos? What are they wearing and what signals are they sending out? in terms of in this context of authority. Mm-hmm. So if you're a, um, even like I think the example, like let's go away from corporate. If you're a mechanic, and I think this is an industry that can, people can go, well, I don't trust my mechanic because I don't know what they're doing. Yep. Um, I have to just take their word for it. But if you want to create that authority and that trust within your your customers and your clientele when they're in that website stage, making sure that you have all of your team presented really well um, in mm-hmm. in a branded attire. Yeah, and like even things like your shop's clean, um, you know, you've got no half-naked 
posters of girls hanging up like you used to see <laughs> in a fish and chip shop. Um, yeah, things like that. And just, again, like just taking all these things into consideration of actually how does everything look? What are we you know, trying to communicate to, to our customers? And, and I see um, you know, something that sort of fits into this authoritative space is like for your website, it's like, does everything sit well? Like I, I'm sort of moving into, into design when I speak about this, but like... But that's it. That's yeah, exactly if, it. If your website looks like it's sort of built on Wix and like I'm, I'm not sort of throwing shade at Wix and, and if you've got a Wix website, fantastic. If and if it's it working for you. I can't get to something on mobile or I can't, for some reason, it's all the, the yeah, responsiveness you, you, you hit, you hit the, the navigation drop down and it doesn't drop down. It's like, well, instantly you've lost a th- authority with me even if you're like a, a medical clinic or, or a mechanic, it's like, well, this doesn't work. Nothing else is going to work. Like that yes. expectation moving forward is, um, you know, already already set. Um, and I think that ties really well into this, you know, hack three of um, being the authority. Absolutely. And that, I think design, design is a major driver of trust and authority. And I just think it's interesting to them when you apply the principles persuasion on top of that. Like we already know, and we talk about it quite often, and so does our industry, that good design is good business because design makes your business look trustworthy. But mm-hmm. like when you go deeper, there's actually science behind that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's why, you know, I, f- I find these, you know, website conversion conversations so interesting because I think it, you know, it really ties into to everything we, we do and everything a, a business and brand should be focusing on when they're, they're rolling out. Absolutely. The final cues that Dr. Chodani found is like trapping. So there are also indirect cues that suggest positions or roles within society. And, I, I, you know, the word was probably used like classes and things like that. And it's unfortunate that we do judge like this, but that's just, I think, something we need to acknowledge that that's how we are wired um, through programming, through society. Mm-hmm. It's it's not, I don't, ideally in a world it wouldn't exist like that, but we just do these things. Well, it's that whole thing of, um, you know, crossing the road when, someone scary is walking towards you and it's like like I remember they're telling you not to do that and it's like well no it's like our human response to get out of the way of mm-hmm. danger and, and go around and cross to the other side of the road mm-hmm. um so you know whether I've never you, heard that before whether you politically or socially believe that you shouldn't be doing things like you naturally yes you naturally are as a human exactly there's things that you know we can try to be aware of but we just can't change I've never heard of that example where you yeah. So what is it? You should cross, like, like not, don't avoid people. Yeah, don't like cross the road because you think someone, you know, looks like a crackhead, but it's like, well, I'm going to cross the road because I... <laughs> I am actually scared. Yeah, right I'm now, actually like, scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, all right. So, yeah, examples in terms of trappings are that you can see in a business context. You know, it's... They gave examples of trappings when we talk, I was reading the research. It's like the airline that you fly or like the size of your manager's office probably tells you a little bit about them. You go, okay, well, I paid a lot. They're probably quite high up in there. But mm-hmm. I think what you said before about design, that explains trappings. If you invest in a really high quality user experience and user interface, that's the, the actual how it looks and the content that is on your website, through the idea of trappings, that suggests to people, A, your, your authority, be you're more trustworthy and see I'm pr- I am prepared to pay more for those qualities. Absolutely. Like um, if we had clients rock up to my house and I'm just in my board shorts, no shirt on, no shoes. Depends just, who the client is. Maybe. And, just like, and yeah, just sitting by the pool. It's a very different expectation then of what the client's going to pay when they walk into our studio and, and sort of have a conversation and with us and I, and I have a shirt on. Um 
Yeah, it, it, it's very different. And I think, you know, calling it trappings is, is one thing. But yeah, it, it, it's definitely just design. Exactly. It's, it's design. It's design cues, yes. Mm-hmm. And then you read that. It's super interesting when you put it in that perspective. Yeah. So for your website, what this means is a couple of t- general tips that I have, and especially for your about page. Um, and you know what? Take that back. For your website, what this means, I've got a couple of examples is, you know, generally these are the things that you want to consider, and it's all about design when you're trying to create that authority. Number one, really good quality photography. So mm-hmm. e-commerce brands, you have got a couple of things to consider. You've got lifestyle photography, and that is like your brand campaign photography where you've got generally talent and they're using your product in a real life scenario trying Mm -hmm. to model like what that looks like to experience the product you've also got your product photography they are separate and they are very very important on your website to have both done really well Mm -hmm. you may even have um, if it's a part of your story and in most cases if it's presentable I would recommend doing it photos of your location and the team that support and then again there's another type of photography you could actually have photography of your team and the people who build help create, get this product from from the, the business to the people. Really consider the clo- the idea of clothing, but also consider how those photos are put together and you know investing in each of those because they are going to give you authority. Yeah, and team back to a, a previous conversation or a previous podcast, it's like don't go smoke and mirrors and go like, oh, well, Steve's not a very good looking guy. Let's put him <laughs> in the other room. Like it needs to be a true reflection of your business and, and your organization and, you know, it, it all ties back into if you are starting to sort of especially on a service-based website starting to to bullshit your customers of the actual experience that you're going to have with with the business moving forward um you know that's going to create some some issues moving forward um but yeah just try and again like just take these things into consideration absolutely and just going for a service-based business so you might not have you don't have product photography but all those things you've got your team Definitely show off your location. And I think this is a really great case to say don't use stock photography. Like stock photography Mm -hmm. takes pretty much the same amount of time to find high-quality cohesive stock photography as it does to actually shoot your own photos and content. I think everyone in the office and studio knows when I'm sitting there looking for stock photography because I just spend all day just in this absolute spiral of just like, yeah, trying to find something that's authentic to the business, which is, yeah, like... An absolute insane request. Yeah. So you want to be the authority, invest in photography. There's all types of different photography you can get. Other things that you can raise your authority is, you know, put in your history. Like put in that. People do want to know where mm-hmm. a business came from. People do want to know that original story. Um, showing awards, showing recognition, showing achievements. And it doesn't just have to be of the business. You can show this for different people who are there as well. So the final tip that I'll have for showing your authority is you can also include awards, recognition and achievements in there on your website. So these are all things that people are looking for to say, yeah, great. I'm just, you know, they're probably not going to move the dial as much as say your, your trappings led photography and the visuals and the overall design, but they are little things that can move the dial. And yeah, just tying back us in, into this conversation, it's like we um, we've recently just done a post where we talk about our inside out um, methodology, and, and we've given you and shown you the framework of that. You know, part of that is also you know showing our customers and clients like this isn't our first rodeo. We've done this before. We even have a, a method that is is proven and, and, and tested. So when someone you know hopefully comes to comes to the website, they go like, hey, there's there's so much credibility here because you know these guys have a process. They're ultimately not just 
jumping into a room, pulling colours out of a hat and, and, and some type out that. of a box. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, they've, they get us across the line because they have that credibility. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, that brings us to the, the end of part one of six persuasion hacks to fix your website's conversion rate. That is a really long title. Mm-hmm. I hope that people who are listening, you have learned something about how your customers' minds are working and, and what's, you know, what are those deeper drivers that are beneath some of the recommendations that I'm sure people in your marketing and sales world, even your design world, are suggesting that you do. At the end of the day, this episode is really all about, you know, helping you understand what makes people trust you and then help making it easier for you to nurture those those people into to customers. So if you have learned something today, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach us on Instagram direct messages or DMs is probably the cool way to say it. Or we do have our email address, which is hello at thegoodstudio.com.au. And if you did enjoy the episode and you're following along, please, we would love it if you would follow us on Apple Podcasts. And if you so desire, leave us a review. Really looking forward to the next episode.